Good morning, everybody, and welcome to a special bonus episode of my podcast called Gotta Have Heart Wrestling by yours truly, Jamel Honest. And today, I want to talk about a very specific event. One of my favorites, actually. This was even before the year 2000 came around here. And even before, you know, the, most of these December pay-per-views. But we're going to go back to the 90s. And I'm talk about a really good December pay-per-view here where, you know, after Rock had seemingly won his first WWE Championship at the 1980s Survivor Series, he was on a roll. He was the guy in WWE that everybody wanted to be but couldn't be. The cocky, arrogance, eyebrow-raising, ass-kicker, The Rock will become known as the corporate champion rather than the people's champion. That's right. We're going to talk about WWF Rock Bottom in your house. This event will take place on December 13, 1998 from the General Motors place in Vancouver, British Columbia, which is located in Canada. With an attendance record of 20,042 fans here. And as you can tell, this event was, you know, part of the any house chronology. But also featured the return of the Buried Alive match between Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Undertaker. Mind you, Austin and Undertaker had battles before, such as the one in any house, Cold Day in Hell of May of 97. And of course, recently at the 1980 Summer Slam pay per event from MSG, Madison Square Garden. Ugh, you can always imagine that you never know when there's going to be a special Austin Undertaker rivalry here. But I think out of the all the matches in WWE's history, very important matches. I think this would probably be one of the most important ones here between Austin and Undertaker here. And then, this, as weird as it may seem, like most of the matches have been for the Dead of Championship, but this one would not be for the Dead of Championship here. This is actually one of the first few times one-on-one these two have battled without any, anything on the line here. So, but instead you have the guy that The Rock defeated at Survivor Series, Mankind, would challenge The Rock to a match rock bottom for the WWE Championship in the second to last match or the first main event of the evening. But yeah, rock bottom seemed interesting. Come out the Survivor Series, we have a new champion, Mankind gets screwed, then I have the Survivor Series. Awesome, when God put out the shot, God shot the championship against the rock through that binding contract from that lawyer that he, for some help, made sure he, in his new contract that stated Austin would get five more years on the deal will receive a WWE Championship match. And that wasn't a part of the 1998 Survivor Series Deadly Games Tournament, but Ring, like, Ringley added that he would get the shot whenever he wanted and where it would take place. And of course, we know Undertaker interfered in that matchup at the end and laid out Undertaker with, and laid out Austin with a shovel to the head. Hard shovel shot. And we saw the next week on Raw where Austin would get kidnapped by Undertaker and try to e-bomb him. Mind you, Stone Cold had passed out a live injury at in St. Jose Arena on the Sunday before. The Monette Raw on November 22nd, I believe. On November 22nd. So, this is really, really interesting here how Antigua go out of his way and try to eat bombs to Steve Austin. Luckily, then, we're King Team to the rescue from his ongoing rivalry with The Undertaker. And you see the next week on Raw here that Austin and Kane would put Paul Bearer down a sewage drainer outside. This is it's pretty surreal. November 29th episode of Man and Raw. Yes, it happened. Austin and, and Kane put Paul Bearer through a sewage drainer below. This is pretty crazy. Right outside the arena. And I remember watching it, Man and Raw, and just seeing that. I was like, I didn't really care about Paul 
probably as well well being, but he really sat down there and I said, what the? <laughs> he went down there with, with kind of ease, but, you know, he still went down there. Pretty crazy. And then probably one of the most awe-inspiring moments in Manila Raw history, then the week after, I think it was, what, um, December 6th, I believe, the episode of Raw, and the Undertaker in Corporate Ministry in a big tag match that scene that pit Austin and Mankind against The Rock and the Undertaker in probably one of the most biggest tag team matches in Raw history. After the match, we saw the Ministry of Darkness come out to assist the Undertaker and hanging Austin on the Undertaker symbol probably about 10, 15 feet above on the stage. And that was probably one of the previous moments as a kid watching that and thinking, oh, God, what's happening to Austin? How's he going to get down from there? This is crazy. Like, you know? Oh, man. And Undertaker's saying he's taking his mind, body, and soul, and the only thing left for him is to bury him alive, which this thing escalated on a whole new level. This was not just, you know, a business match between Austin and Undertaker. This is damn sure personal. Oh, man. All right, well, let's dive right into pay-per-view here. We had about four matches in Sunday Night Heat. I know, uh, a lot of matches. <laughs> well, we had the first one on Sunday Night Heat. We had Dwayne Gill defended the WWE Fly Heavyweight Championship against Matt Hardy with his cousin, with his brother Jeff Hardy in his corner. Imagine Dwayne Gill is a new member of the Job Squad. And thanks to the Job Squad, Dwayne Gill was able to defeat Christian for the Light Heavyweight Championship on, I think, the most important episode of Monday Night Raw. And you would think of Dwayne, the guy named Dwayne Gill, who came to WF and be, after being hyped up as a WCW veteran, in Mr. Man's words, not mine, and, you know, losing... You know, to Mankind in probably, well, 10 seconds at the first opening match of the Survivor Series. And, you know, now he got success. He's being, well, thanks to the Job Squad. You know, Job Squad being with Alice Snow, Scorpio, and Bob Holly, All these underrated competitors who would later on become veterans and prime superstars in their prime. So, yeah, this match will last a minute and two seconds. So, not a very bad match to kick off. I guess Dwayne Gill, who we will know later on become Gilbert. A small person of Goldberg, but <laughs> nonetheless, you know, I, I think it was pretty cool. You know, I, I was actually pretty, I was actually doing Gil fan. Believe me, not guys, Gilbert doing Gil. I was actually a pretty fan of this, you know, because <laughs> posing coming out, it's just it's kind of funny, you know. All right, next up we have Kevin Quinn, which I don't know much about Kevin Quinn. I cannot give you any information about him. I don't know him at all. Would defeat. Brian Christopher, too sexy Brian Christopher, in 2 minutes and 23 seconds. And, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know much about that. All right. And next up, we'll see Triple H defeat Draws. I don't know. Triple H having a match on saying that he read in the pay-per-view event. This kind of seems surreal here, you know? But, yeah, Triple H, along with Billy Gunn, China, Road Dog, and S-Pac, defeated Draws with Animal 101. So, I guess that match lasts a minute, 37 seconds. Don't know how this match came about, Triple H versus Draws. Or even DX feuding with half of the Legion of Doom. You know, I didn't know how this match came about, but I guess it happened. Yeah. And then, even after the match, we will see the New Jack Laws, Billy Gunn, and Road Dog defeat the Acolytes. Via disqualification, of course. Acolytes, you know, this new guy with um the Jacko coming to their own. Before they even part of the Ministry of Darkness, Bashar Farouk had developed a persona which seemed more rougher, more... Arrogance, small thrasher, like hard hitting this guy that loved to fight. And mind you, newly tag team put together too by the Jackal, who was formerly known to be the manager of the Truth, um, the Truth Consequences. 
you know, the Truth Commission, sorry, back in 97. So, you know, if Jacko here, putting these two guys together, I think we can probably give them most of the credit to putting Bradshaw Fruit together and calling them, the, calling them the Acolytes. So, yeah, big ups to them, I guess. All right, let's dive into our first match of the event. We got Rock Bottom. The Rock comes here, kind of promo before the show even happens for the promo in his. And, yeah, it's safe to say this pay-per-view was based on The Rock himself, you know? So, yeah. All right, first up, we got D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry with Giacca and Terry Reynolds, known as a PMS. I know what you guys are thinking. That's very winning for texting, but might just add to that. Anything goes. Literally, anything goes. So, you know, D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry coming out with P- PMS. Facing off against the team of supply and demand, the Godfather of Albinus. How surreal is you got the Godfather, who is a pimp, coming out with hoes all the time. You got Albinus, this adult porn star whose fetish is woman, playing for seven foot. So these two guys can be put together. I think it was a very cool tactic. I wish this tactic lasted more in the future. Even though, you know, you got a black guy, you got a white guy teaming up, maybe calling with the weapon. <laughs> No reference to Danny Glover or Mel Gibson, but, you know, this is a pretty cool tactic. I actually like this tactic of Valvina as a godfather. It was pretty cool to see these two together. Knowing that the most obvious thing they have in common, and the most obvious thing they have in common, people didn't really see, you know. But yeah, D'Lo Brown and, Gof- D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry would defeat the godfather of Venus in 5 minutes 54 seconds. So I guess the final man were a cool tag team to see, but as far as entering credits goes, I guess not enough to defeat. Dealer Brown or Henry in the tag team match. Alright, moving on here. We got another tag team match of the Headbangers facing off against the Oddities. Let me tell you something. The Headbangers are most decorated tag team. We've seen them become the tag team champions last year in your house ground zero against the Godwins. But then when they turn heel here, I thought this would elevate the tag team there. And feuding with the Oddities out of all tag teams, other than those y'all lost both Dealer Brown and Mark Henry. From the past last series, I don't want to elevate them, but it kind of made them worse. There really wasn't much of a winning streak after that here. And the oddities, mind you, you got this group of odd superstars. You got Kurgan, who was this over seven foot guy monster that had a good run in the beginning of 1998. But if they would have kept that persona and like they did with Greg Colley, I think it would have made most of his career. With the oddities, I kind of probably got it got Kurgan's level superstardom down, way down. I, I didn't like it. Dancing and wearing multicolored shirts, and you know you got these guys in the giant silver and um, Golga with Luna, and you know Luna Vachon's also a decorated woman in her rights, you know former woman champion, but you know the daughter of Mad Dog Vachon, mind you. But I feel like the Oddities were such an odd group. I don't really put them up there as one of the greatest factions in WWE history. I think they're probably the worst faction in WWE history. The Oddities, I didn't like it too much. I will express this more and more on upcoming bonus episodes. I didn't like the oddities. I really didn't. They were not that good at all. So, yeah. That brings is going to win here. You know, this is the one that wins. But, mind you, they still weren't enough good as a heel tag team to make a difference. Other than being baby faces the previous year before. So, yeah, it was kind of a boring match. It lasted six minutes and 29 seconds. So, yeah. Alright, next up here, we got Steve Blackman racing Owen Hart, one-on-one here. Steve Blackman, I've always been impressed with Steve Blackman ever since he debuted in November of 97. First competed at the 1997 Survivor Series the year before, and he's had a pretty good run here too. He's even feud with the likes of Owen Hart, 
Ken Shinrock, even Dan to be stubborn. All these good matches here, and you know the history between the all four of those guys here. You know Dan Severn and Ken Shinrock going back to the UFC days. And, you know, um, C. Blackman apparently friends with Ken Shinrock as well. Again, the feud with Dan to be stubborn, and you got Owen Hart who recently broke Dan Severn's neck back in September on Monday on Raw's War. So you have like guys like Steve Blackman, Owen Hart. You're gonna gonna see contrasting styles here, but it's really gonna make an interesting matchup here. And even this matchup, Steve Blackman showed a lot of heart and tenacity against the late great Owen Hart. Owen Hart being the youngest member of the Hart family, the younger brother brought to him at Hart. The one that really stayed in the WWE after the whole Montreal incident happened in 97. So, and Steve Blackman would eventually defeat Owen Hart by countout in 10 minutes, 10 minutes and 26 seconds. So, not a bad show by Steve Blackman coming up and up. And this will actually make his superstar more famed as he head into the United 1099 and see how truly lethal weapon Steve Blackman can be. So, I've always been impressed with Steve Blackman. I say he's one of my favorite superstars during the Attitude Era. And he really impressed me a lot. I like his own race skills. He's really, he's really cool. Next up, we'll have The Brood, Christian Edge and Gangrel going up against the job squad of Al Snow, Bob Holly, and Scorpio. Of course, Al Snow has this head. We all love head. We all need head. Head is cool. You know, head is freaking cool. And, you know, most likely, you know, every time, every time you're going to see Al Snow wrestle, that head 99.9% will likely come into play. Will likely be used in that matchup. So, <laughs> if, you're gonna, <laughs> if you're gonna give Ed, Christian, and Gangrel head, lucrative speaking, <laughs> it's gonna be likely to be a big difference maker here. The Brood, Ed, Christian, Gangrel coming to their own. We saw Edge and Gangrel feud with Sterling with Christian debuting that breakdown. Christian won his first lightweight championship at Judgment Day this past October. And these three guys getting together here, knowing that the history of all three of these guys here, much seemingly entwined with each other here, creating a, brood called a, creating a group called The Brood, and pretty much just coming to their own as cool. I love The Brood. I love the entrance music. Have you seen them coming up in that circle of fire? The Brood, at the time, the Attitude Era, was the coolest entrance music ever. The entrance theme song ever, the entrance, everything about the brood was so damn cool. You know, it's like a gothic lifestyle vampire, especially Gangrel. It's gonna really cool. And by I think Gangrel being a known superstar from his persona, it really helped boost the careers of Edge and Christian as well after as well too. So I like them. And you know the brood will defeat the job squad in nine minutes and eight seconds here. That was a pretty good six minute tag match. I actually enjoyed it a little bit too, so yeah, not a bad match for, you know, the Brood against the Job Squad, you know. Again, I think I don't really think Arsenal giving all three of them hasn't really made much of a difference because the Brood's still in this matchup anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> all right, here, we'll see. The next match, Goldust versus Jeff Jarrett. And probably the one of the most unique, strange matches ever, this will be a strip tease match. And I'm thinking, how this hell came along? You have Goldust, which I'm pretty sure doesn't mind being strip teased. But you have Jeff Jarrett in this matchup too. We have Jarrett accompanied by Deborah. But the thing is, the stipulation is that if Goldust would have lost, he would have had the striptease. But if Jeff Jarrett would have lost, instead of him, Deborah McMichael would have the striptease. And, and eventually Goldust would defeat Jeff Jarrett, which means Deborah would have the striptease in front of the whole world, in front of 20,000 fans in General Motors' place. So, of course, that didn't happen. Jeff Jarrett was still in the career and got out of there with Deborah. 
Those are still in the match for you to swap Christian. Eight minutes, six seconds. But I'm pretty sure if that happened, I think all of us around the world, even the fans there in Vancouver, BC, would have lost, would have really been happy with Jeff Derrick, with um, Derrick McMichael striptease in front of the whole world. So I, I would have enjoyed that, you know. And, of course, you know, Jay Lawler would mention the phrase puppies maybe ten times that night. Who would have known? As he always does when Deborah comes out, you know. Or even shows the puppies. More, once more too many times. But, as a fan, I liked it. I wasn't mad at the situation. But, uh, I think we all could have seen Deborah show to and that would have been really nice. Alright, next up, we have a tag team championship matchup. The New Jello defending the tag team championships against the corporations, Big Bossman and Ken Shamrock. With Shamrock in the corner. I know what you're thinking. How the hell is Shamrock in the corner of the Big Bossman and Ken Shamrock? Let's go back to the night. When Shawn Michaels was announced the commissioner of the WWF on November 22nd, 1998, Vince McMahon appoints Shawn Michaels the commissioner of the WWF, which seems in his contract, Shawn Michaels has all the power to do what he wants, when he wants to, in the World Wrestling Federation at the time. Even not even Mr. McMahon could fire him. That thing, Shawn Michaels could only lose his job if only on his own terms if he wanted to quit or resign as commissioner. So Shawn Michaels having an unlimited amount of power. He's the commissioner of the WWE, but he aligned himself with Mr. McMahon's corporation to make it seem like he was on the McMahon side here, even though they're only seen the case here. And it's right between the corporation and D-Generation X had escalated in, more, in many, many, more than one, that to the point where, you know, Shawn Michaels is going to have to do what Shawn Michaels is going to have to do at the end of the day. So align himself with the corporation, even for Mr. Nala, set the tattoo chances on the line against Big Boss and Ken Shamrock, two of the toughest superstars in the WWE today. I've always been, big, been a big boxing fan, God rest his soul. And I've always been a Ken Shamrock fan, just because of the accomplishments he's had in the UFC and WWE. So, yeah. But also, but at, on this event, Nunez would not go down without a fight. Because Nunez would defeat Big Boss Man and Ken Shamrock in 60 minutes and 10 seconds here. A hard fight matchup. This would be one of the good tactic matches. And top of challenge with no job loss today. I mean, if you're going to go a team against a team like Ken Shamrock and a big boss man, you're going to be in for a fight, no matter what. So, you know, kudos to no job for getting another yet important victory against the corporation and sticking it to Mr. Man once more. Next up, we would have the WWE Championship on the line when Mankind goes one-on-one against The Rock. And, mind you, we're going to have, we'll definitely have to see Shane McMahon and Mr. Man at ringside here. Of course, the Rock acknowledging both his pictures on the right side of the left and right side of the entrance stage. His picture posting with the Dead of Championship belt. You know, and Mankind comes out here. These two have a good match back and forth here. Unless, you know, see Mankind take that dive off the top rope to the outside and crash on that table, which is not really one of the coolest bumps ever. It's probably more dangerous. You know, glad Mankind survived that. Glad he was okay. And you see Mankind says, proceed with Sako. Mankind. Makes the rock pass out to the point referee rings the bell here. Now we're thinking, Mankind is the new WWE champion via, you know, submission. But Mr. Man grabs the microphone and says that Mankind is not the WWE champion. And the only way he could win is by pinfall or submission. Meaning if the rock taps out or says the words, I quit. In which Mankind didn't, well, this claim Mankind did not do either. The rock would defeat, and Mankind would defeat the rock by knockout. Which... I never heard a knockout rule in the history of the WWE. Thus, making Rock still the WWE champion. And, of course, Mankind gets, Mankind gets the Mr. Van Sacco 
And Rock and Shane may be some type of matchup here to close out, you know, that matchup here. And I, I really didn't like that. You know, Rock passed out. We've seen championships before where Mankind has won, which made his opponents win via submission. So I disagree with the decision here. Vince Miller is trying to change the rules. You know, he has a boss. He can do that, of course. I, I understand that. But trying to change the rules to seem like the championship needed to be kept on a rock rather than put on Mankind. For Mankind for not to be the face of the company. And since this is entitled Rock Bottom here, this man was really going to do everything he can to make sure Rock rocks out of Vancouver, British Columbia, still as the WWE champion. So, don't get me wrong. I like the Rock as champion, but I just hated the... You know, decision that happened, so I didn't agree with it, and yeah, it's pretty crazy here. Really crazy. All right, we'll show the big up the video package for the main event here between Steve Austin and Undertaker. This will be a buried alive matchup, and the stipulation is that winner of this buried alive match between the Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin and Undertaker will have the right to compete in the 1999 Royal Rumble matchup. To get an opportunity to win, to go to WrestleMania and fight for the WWE Championship here. It seemed like Austin really hated Undertaker. Uh, Undertaker really hated Austin to the point where all this started back at SummerSlam. Austin defeats the Undertaker. We move on to breakdown. Bobby Kane, that triple threat matchup where Undertaker and Kane could not pin each other, but only pin Austin in the Championship. We see both of them double triple threat to Austin, one, two, three, but neither guy is champion. Mentioned World World Championship in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada that night. Hold title up to present it to Austin to Undertaker or Kane. Austin comes up with the example and he beats up Mr. Man here. We go to Judgment Day where Austin will be placed as a special guest referee between the Undertaker and Kane, which those two brothers are fighting for to become the champion. But if Austin didn't do his job, Austin's out of here. And which it seemed like we had no winner, no contest. Mr. Man fought Austin that night. Shane Mary will bring Austin back that very next night of Raw. And in time to spite his champ, spite his own father by giving Austin a five-year deal to be to stay in WWF and a title shot whenever Austin chooses. Of course, here Miss Man can do nothing about that. It's a law-abiding contract, so guess it's legal, all legal. Austin will to the Survivor Series here, where we see Austin get screwed roughly by McMahon's over mankind to advance to the finals, and Austin gets the title shot next night on Raw and gets screwed out by the Undertaker. And that's what brings us here to Rock Bottom in this Brady Life matchup. Because Undertaker hated Austin's point that he needed not just to beat Austin 1, 2, 3, but make sure Austin never, ever again gets a title shot and to be seen in the WWF again. Very good Brady Life matchup. We see the Undertaker's entrance. I love this version of the Undertaker's entrance. Because before, it was like the corporate ministry. Before, it was really into ministry darkness. But I like that slow methodical music and... It's cool. It's like one of the best Undertaker theme songs ever, you know. Have Austin coming out here. These two go back and forth. to the grave site here. We see Austin hit the Undertaker with that gas can. And even the shovel shot, too. Here. And we saw, you know, Austin Stunner. One Stunner on top of the grave site. Undertaker went inside the grave. Austin attempted to bury him. But Austin goes in the back here. We didn't know what Austin was going to the back for. Undertaker comes out the grave. With the shovel hiding behind a big pile of dirt, maybe luring Austin to come in for a trap. Then we see this big explosion in the gravesite. I'm like, what the hell's going on now? This big explosion here. Out comes Kane. I don't know how in the hell Kane got from inside that grave. Just some prayer like that. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, how the hell Kane get inside the grave? 
King comes out, attacks the Undertaker, tombstones the Undertaker on the gravesite here. Uzi also comes with this payloader, this big truckload of dirt. Comes out here and proceeds to bury the Undertaker alive with all that dirt on top of him. And with more and more dirt on top of him. And then Austin wins the Bray Live matchup in 21 minutes and 33 seconds and has a toast with a beer to Undertaker pouring it on his grave. This is probably one of the most craziest chaotic baby events I've ever seen, especially the Bray Live matchup here. This is pretty cool for Austin to beat the Undertaker in the Bray Live matchup. And Austin will advance to 1991 Rumble to compete in the World Rumble matchup here. What a what an event this was. I think this is a pretty cool event to watch here. You know, especially the Bray Live match being the main event here. I think WWE did a great, very good job with the pay-per-view here. And uh, again, I didn't like the outcome of the Mankind Rock WWE title matchup here, but the Bray Live match to close the show and send these fans on happy was pretty damn cool to see. So, I wonder what's going to happen next Sunday at TLC. We're just six days away from TLC. Will we have AJ Styles, Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship in a table and chairs match, and also Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens in a table and chairs match for the Universal Championship? What's going to happen at this event? We don't know. We're going to find out. As WWE comes early for Christmas and presents us with a gift of tables, ladders, and chairs. Until next time, guys, you have a good day, and enjoy the rest of your Monday.